Ladies and gentlemen, boys and ghouls, thank you for tuning in to yet another episode of It Came From Cherry Hill. My name is Glenn and I will be one of your hosts as we talk everything Monster Mania, but I could not do it alone. Thankfully, I am joined by my partner in crime, Rob. Rob, how are you this fine, fine New Jersey evening? Hey man, I'm doing pretty good, man. Life is good. It was warm out today. I took a little walk. Yo, it was, it was beautiful out today, my man. It feels a little. It feels a little like spring is kind of like peeking its head out a little bit, and it's it's almost March, and we all know what March is, right? What's March? Ah, Monster Mania, my man. The eleventh to the thirteenth in beautiful Cherry Hill, New Jersey. Oh, oh, just say it again. Say it again. It feels so good. Beautiful Cherry Hill, New Jersey, my man. Ooh. At the Cherry Hill Hotel, hotel. The first time at the Cherry Hill Hotel. No longer the artist formerly known as the Crown Plaza. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, the Crown Plaza's dead. Long live the Cherry Hill Hotel. Uh, that's right. Until it changes into something else. Who who knows, my man? I'm, I'm excited. Just- Look, I'm just saying, like, now the hotel works with our branding, so now that's perfect, right? It came from Cherry Hill. That's Boom. it, man. We got we to, gotta, like, contact a lawyer, <laughs> see if we could get some money. Be like, you know, we, we didn't own, steal the name of the town. Like, we know we yes. own this name, Cherry Hill. Who knows? Like, listen, like, we got to get, like, one of those, um like, patent troll lawyers to be like, you know, they never renewed the trademark for Cherry Hill in 1997. So, technically. <laughs> Do you have the number for Mark Sterling? Smart Mark, I could, I, I believe, I believe I could probably acquire it if I don't have it myself. But uh, we just yeah, did, that's we just the, did it. That's a little the bit guy. Of maybe a deep cut for for some people in the audience. That's, that's it, all right. man. Oh my god. Oh, so so close, man. Monster Media is so close. And what's interesting is normally we have so much to talk about Monster Media wise, but um, we don't actually have that much. We are fortunate enough to be joined later on this episode uh, by Thomas Tom Coombs, who is actually one of the Monster Mania staff members and one of the more tenured staff members. He's been a staff member as long almost as we've been going to the con, which is amazing. Yeah, Tom was really great. It's an awesome interview. Look forward to you guys hearing it. Uh, it it's it's funny because I, I, if you've been to the con, you know Tom. You've seen Tom. Uh, he's generally walking with a guest. He's a super great dude. Tells some really fun stories. Uh, it was an awesome. It was an awesome interview. So yeah, that'll be coming after right after we do our little our little preamble today. Yeah, absolutely, my man. We do have one. Um, I have one piece of Monster Mania business, and it's minor, but it's important. Um, there's not a lot of stuff going on at the moment. There's been no updates as of, as of the last show in terms of guests or anything like that. There's no movie times yet, no autograph prices. So we're gonna stay tuned for those, and hopefully, you can catch them on the next show right before the con. Um, but a lot of people are asking over on the Facebook page if they buy a photo op ticket can you get into the convention and this has come up again and again and again over the last like week and a half or so and the answer to that is no you need a ticket to get into the con believe it or not you can buy a photo op ticket separately than a con ticket and if you have a photo op ticket you cannot get in that's because there's like a third party company that runs the photo op um that's how it works i believe that's how it's worked for a while um but a lot of people are under the impression if they buy a photo op they can you need both you need both of them um so make sure make sure that you do that you would think that would be the first step make sure i can get into the convention before i buy the photo op but that's not you know how everybody thinks so make sure you have a ticket tickets are looks like as of the moment are still available for saturday although it's getting close to selling out so make sure that you go ahead and purchase your ticket for the days that you're going to go we have our tickets, right? Oh, we've had our tickets forever, yeah. my man, forever. I just, I, literally, I just buy them as soon as they're for sale. I, I normally get the tickets. Usually, was, you're right. This is weird for me. I do the like, hotel. Like, I do the hotel. It's weird because it's been out of your hands, you know, because you didn't buy the, um, you didn't get the, the ticket. And once I saw the VIP, I was like, I'm buying all the tickets right now. Um, and... Like, you know, normally I do the hotel like immediately. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with the hotel this time because they may be under a different name by the time we check into the hotel. Who knows? Um, but we'll have to we'll have to wait and see. But we'll cover all the latest and greatest Monster Mania updates the next episode. Hopefully we'll have a bunch of information to share with you. And by that point, we'll probably only be a couple weeks away, maybe only two. 
Yeah, I think we're aiming. Uh, we were just talking about it before the show went live. I think we're going to try to aim for the week of the 28th doing an episode, probably towards the Thursday, Friday. Yeah. So we can we want to give it as much time for Dave and the team to get out news so that we can, you know, report it, give our thoughts. You know why you guys got to listen to this, I suppose. Uh, and then uh, at the show itself, uh, there we're not going to do anything at the show. I think, again, we're just going to enjoy the first the the. Uh, the resurrection of Cherry Hill because it's been so long and I know we've both missed it incredibly. Yeah, man. It's been a long time coming. Yeah, man. So uh, we'll be, we'll be there. We'll be hanging out. Come find us. You know, we'll be hanging out. We'll have, we'll have cards, right? Yeah. Oh my God. I think I have like a thousand. um, It came from Cherry Hill cards. So no problem. Yeah. Well, We'll be rocking the shirts. Like, come find us. Come say hi if you dig what we do. Um, we sort of, if you're a vendor and you see us walking around and you're interested in what we do, please like let us know. We love having vendors on. We've done lots of vendor uh, uh, interviews. Hundred, I was almost at hundreds. Maybe not hundreds, hundreds of them. <laughs> tens. We've done tens of interviews. Uh, but we'd love to have you on to come and talk with us and share what you do and share what your passion. Especially if you're like a crafter. You want to speak up, make something? Oh my God, please. I want to talk to you. I always love, I love what you guys do. Uh, but it's funny because like normally like, I would try to fill the time with toy news because that's my shtick here, but we're right on the, we're right on the verge of virtual toy fair, which means that nothing is announced. Uh, so by next call, although I don't know how much we'll have time to talk about it. Maybe there'll be a couple tidbits, uh, but I did have something I wanted to talk about before we get to Tom. Because we both watched a movie separately, mm-hmm. uh, relatively recently, that fits, I think, perfectly into this podcast. It starred a ex-guest of uh, Monster Mania. Uh, who is, I forget his name. He's the kid from Stranger Things and the kid from... Oh, Finn, Finn Wolfhard. Finn Wolfhard. And that is Ghostbusters Afterlife. We both got a chance to watch it. I rented it on Amazon. You got the sexiest Blu-ray set I've ever seen. Oh, dude, yeah, I got that Ghostbusters uh, like collection 4K uh, Ghostbusters trap box set. I had to. I got lucky enough to be able to get it from Amazon. It sold out at like Target like immediately. It's out of print already, so you can't you can't even buy it. Uh, but it's super cool. It holds like Ghostbusters one, two, and Afterlife uh, in the like in the actual trap. You open it up and it like lights up. It's 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 super it's super cool. <laughs> it goes back to your love of packaging. Really. Oh, dude, it, thousand it's percent. It's a beautiful package. Thousand percent. I'm a sucker for a good gimmick. <laughs> uh, so we ended up getting a chance to watch this, and I think it's fair to say. Uh, I think that if you listen to us and you have any level of affinity for Ghostbusters, Glenn, this is a must-see movie. Thousand percent, my man. Thousand percent. I had high, like, I had super high expectations of this because, like, you know, the trailers uh, that they had for it made it look really good. Um, they teased the, uh, like, most, like, all of the original living Ghostbusters uh, coming back into, you know, into the film. And, uh, you know, it's star, a film, Finn Wolfhard is in it, and I love Stranger Things, and I love it, and I love the fact that it's like, you know, like the kids are like the main focus of it. So, like, I mean, I was, I was, I was in, the bar was high, and I really, really wanted to see this, like, like I would have seen this in the, any other time in, in the world. I would have seen this in the theater, you know? Um, but, um, it, when it came out, I think it came out in like, august or something like that and like i don't know it, like I, I just didn't feel like comfortable at the time uh to be in there for that long and like could i have gone like sure would i have been all right probably because i would have wore like the mask the whole time and like like you know it's not the worst situation to be in but i definitely wouldn't have been comfortable and it would have a hundred percent been in the back of my mind the whole time um and i definitely would not have been able to enjoy it so yeah much better Abs- watching it at home uh yeah, uh, real quick before we jump into everything, we're going to start this off with a no spoiler, right? We're just going to give general impressions. We'll do some spoiler stuff. We'll we'll say spoilers. Oh, okay, we'll warn. Okay, and, and then we'll talk about spoilers because <laughs> it like, is a new film. A lot of people are to say absolutely. Us. Yeah, you're right. It's a good point. And and if you don't, uh, then we'll figure out kind of where the timestamp is, and we'll tell you where uh, Tom's interview starts if you want to catch up with it. But I would say this: of all of the 80s property nostalgia movies 
the re- let's call them. I think it really should be called a new genre because it's not a remake. We're going to call it a revival movie. Yeah. Of all of the revival movies, Ghostbusters is a 10 out of 10. It is perfect in every possible way for a revival movie. And I'm going to say something pretty, you know, I'm going to put it on a pedestal here. It is one of the best summer type movies that I have ever seen. Period. It is so good, so full of heart. And it's funny because you think when you look at the cast, you think it's, you know, you think it's the people you know, right? You think it's the original Ghostbusters. You think it's um, Finn. Uh, It's no, it's not. It's McKenna Grace who plays Phoebe, who is the main female lead, who is so good in this movie, is just unbelievable, lovable, nerd, somewhere like just just a a awesome character portrayal. I have never been so in. I was like just like I don't want to say in love because, you know that comes across a weird connotation, but it definitely like, I was so like, I was so taken with, I just wanted to be her friend. Like she was just such a cool character. You were like, you know, you were invested in it, you know, in in her story, you know, she's engaging when she's on the screen and with her, like later, like she meets a, she meets a friend. uh, His name is podcast. He will be at the monster mania convention. Um, And uh, at first when I found out what his name was, I was like, what? Like, I was just like, I was like, I rolled my eyes so hard and maybe it's not the best choice of name. I mean, it ends up being, it's a nickname, but, um, like I just, I was just like, how is this going to work? And man, it, it works. It fires on all cylinders. Uh, the one thing I was nervous about as I was, I was nervous of like, I'm like, man, am I just going to be waiting for the time when the Ghostbusters show up, you know, like the OG and nope, that does not cross your mind because they do such a great job with the characters and as awesome as like you know the like everybody is great in this movie um but by far the kids are like the, the they are the stars of the film for sure like it's just so they're, they're just so genuine and so likable and you just like root for you root for all of them um and even though Finn Wolfhard is in the movie and he's definitely one of the more recognizable people like he is like he's more of a supporting member. Like he's there and he's got some really great moments. Um, but it's, uh, it, it's not the same as, uh, like me you on know, McKenna Grayson podcast. They start off and they carry the, the first, like I'd say like 45 minutes of that film. Uh, and it is, uh, it's great. It, it's, it's really, really good. Uh, there were times where I wanted to like, like I paused the movie while I was watching it to be like, you need to watch this. Like now, like if you grew up with a ghostbusters, like, thousand percent you need to watch this movie because it's just so it's just it, like it, it's so good and it just it it a lot of movies like this and the reason why i say it's a 10 out of 10 revival movie is that a lot of movies like this pander they feel like they're like uh, it it is literally like like it's remember berries like to go remember me like that's what this is like a lot this was this was taking what you loved and putting a slightly different spin on it and a modern take on it and deepening it and enriching it and making it more interesting and more uh, colorful it was just from a lore perspective, what what Jason Reitman was able to do here, uh, who was the writer, director, uh, director, excuse me, um, was able to do here with really his father's production legacy. I was I, there's so much love here. That's I guess that's the best way. It's funny because like prior to this, I watch a lot of Adam Savage and Adam Savage did an interview with him and they were talking about like how they basically wrote the movie in like this Ghostbuster shrine. And they would like act out scenes with t- the toys. And we used to play with the kids, like the ones that made the scary faces. And like they said, the Ecto one was sitting right outside. And, like you could, when I watched that, I was like, okay, cool, whatever, dude. And then I saw this movie. I'm like, no, like you really love this universe and you really respect it and you respect the people who love it. And 
it was something very special in big budget filmmaking. It's the first film that I've seen since pandemic that I felt as you felt. I wished I could have seen this in theaters because it's gorgeous. See it on the biggest screen you can in 4K. Look, this is like, hey, I'm all for saving a buck. This is a movie that you rent for seven bucks from Amazon, 4K UHD, the biggest possible screen you can have in your home. It's worth it. It's freaking gorgeous. Yeah, man, it looks excellent. And they do, um, you know, they do. I'm trying to stay away from like all the spoilers until we get to that section. Um, but, you know, it it looks great when you do eventually see like, you know, the, you know, because they, they show it in the, you know, they show it in the trailer. Like, you know, when they break out the proton packs and the trap, the proton pack, you know, it looks it visually like when they fire it like it visually looks like it don't get me wrong it looks better it looks current but it looks just like it did like you see it and you're like that's the proton pack like a thousand percent when they shoot it it looks exactly like it should and i know it's a dumb thing to pick up at, pick up on but like when you had the toys when you were a kid and like you you had the ghostbusters suit like i had the suit i had the proton pack i don't know if i had the trap or not I feel like I remember the thing that you would squeeze and it would push the air through the tube. So I feel like I probably did. You um, had the trap. Yeah. Uh, but uh, like it, it looks just like it, it looks just like it did. It just looks better. Um, it looks like what I would imagine it would look like the first time you saw the movie. It's like the same type of impression that you get and you hear it like they do such a good job with the sound design. They, I don't know if they just use the same sounds and maybe they cleaned them up, but like it like it's exactly the same. And I'm sure that's not a difficult for thing for them to, to do in today's day and age when they're making movies. But I mean, just the fact that they chose to do that because they knew we would be picky about it. <laughs> you know um just because it's such a um you know it's a franchise that holds some so much uh like you know um importance for the people who who grew up with it it's definitely one of the first like scary-ish type of movies that i saw when i was a kid mm -hmm. and back in the day like you know i didn't i didn't have the like a blu-ray collection like i had like four vhs tapes i watched them to death and <laughs> this is definitely ghostbusters was definitely one of them um they even uh they have some great practical effects as well but i feel like they might venture into the spoiler territory and i don't want to do yeah. that i'm just saying i think i had i love i think i had every ghostbusters dress up toy i had the proton pack i had the ghost trap i had the ecto popper and my all-time favorite was the slime pack from ghostbusters 2 i had that it was awesome i feel like um, i'm i feel like i might have that had that and i need boy. to go back and look i need like i remember i remember like its existence but i don't remember yeah. exactly what it, i have to go and, up like, and look it up popped out of the front yeah dude um, okay, so we need to get the spoiler territory because we can't wait anymore. So once again, at this point forward, say about 10-ish minutes, spoiler. Ready? Three, two, one. When Ghost Harold Ramis shows up, I literally almost cried. You're gonna jump to you're gonna jump right to that. To, I um, have to. You have to jump right to that. Okay. It was I Everyone loves Eddie Murphy in those movies. Eddie Murphy. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I flipped right in the Beverly Hills Cup. Uh, I mean, I love Eddie. Like, yeah, for sure. He's great. <laughs> Everyone loves Bill Murray. There you <laughs> go. I was, Everyone, I was going like this deep, like emotional connection to, to pop culture. Everyone loves Bill Murray in those movies. Yes. And he's great. And he's great here, too. He's got some but, good one-liners. But Harold Ramis is the heart and soul of Ghostbusters to me. Egon Spengler is the heart and soul of Ghostbusters for me. His humor is deadpan. Um, <laughs> the scene in Ghostbusters 2 where he says, now, now let's take away the toy. Just, just, just perfect, perfect humor. I love it. I love when he's when they're uh, when Ray's staring at Vigo for the first time. And he's like, "Ray, we'd like to shoot the monster. Can you move?" <laughs> yes. <laughs> and the way they weaved his character, like here's the like here's the setup for the movie, right? Like obviously, like, like Egon's living in this weird house. It's obviously him from the first time you see the movie. You get it, but they never show his face, obviously, because unfortunately, Harold Ramis has passed away. 
But Harold Egon is a ghost throughout this entire movie. He is moving objects. He's playing chess with the main character, you know, moving the light. And the whole time I'm watching this, they don't. It's like, oh, that's why it's called Afterlife. Right. And they introduce it very early in the movie. And the whole time you're like, I'm watching. I'm just like they. Oh, this is a really cool way of like honoring the fact that this man is no longer with you, but he is part of this movie. And in the final act where they're shooting the pro I'm getting goosebumps talking about it, where they're shooting the proton packs and he holds like um, Phoebe is like, hold it. And like he, they show his arms and they do like the digital stuff of his face. I, I was, I was very close to like getting very emotional about it. Cause it was so touching and so respectful and so perfect, just perfect. I, you perfect. There's nothing saying more belittles it. It's perfect. Yeah. I mean, it's a super, it's definitely probably the like most powerful like scene in the movie, um, like at least emotionally. And, you know, they, they've been trying to, they were trying to make the Ghostbusters film for a while, like a long, long time. Um, to the point where, like, you know, and unfortunately, like, you know, um, Harold Ramis passed away before they got a chance to, you know, to even to work on this one. Um, but, you know, he's such a integral part of the film and like, you know, it, it's creation um, that like, you know, to be to find a way to include him and have it be not only just genuine, but also that effective. I feel like it would have been very easy for it to fall into like the like cringiness and it did not Mm -hmm. not even a little um and maybe that's because like you know like we're so connected to the to the franchise itself um but i feel like it does it like for those people i feel like if you're seeing this movie that i don't think this is anybody's first first ghostbuster movie (laughs) you know um but it it might be in in which case that that part's probably lost on you um a little bit (laughs) or it was for my life it was her first ghostbuster film she never seen any of the other ones She's like, I may have seen Ghostbusters one, but I have no memory of it. Yeah. And you know what she said? This is a really well done movie. I really enjoy it. Like, I'm obviously like really having a time with it. And she's like, this is really fun. You know why it wasn't cheesy? Why? Why Howard Ramis's reveal wasn't cheesy is they earned it. He didn't just show up at the end. He was a character. Yeah, throughout the whole never- thing. He never talked. But the way they the way they worked it, Phoebe interacting with his theoretical force, the connection he had with his daughter, who, you know, for anyone, Phoebe was his granddaughter. He abandoned his family to go basically make sure Gozer doesn't come back. Yeah. Uh, which, again, that should have felt cheesy. That should have felt like returning to the well. And it didn't. Oh, and can we talk about Paul Rudd for a second? Yo, I will gladly talk about Paul Rudd because I will tell you right now, it is it is highly publicized in this household that I am anti Paul Rudd. I do not like Paul Rudd, and you know why? Let me go. Let me go because it's gonna make it. It's gonna come around, and you're gonna appreciate it. I'm not a fan of Paul Rudd because he, my my man, is like the modern day like Ryan Reynolds. He is in everything, and he's been in everything forever. I don't know if you know, but like he's in friends he's in all these marvel movies he's just in everything and it just continues and they were like paul rudd is in the ghostbusters movie i was like oh my god of course he's in the ghostbusters movie and he is great he is so good he's funny he's likable um i love the fact that it, he's the he's the science teacher he's um he's the science teacher and like she's in um uh, she's in like summer, summer school. school and he's showing, he's just putting on horror movies. He's like, you're watching Cujo, you're watching child's play. And he's just showing all these films. Um, and I mean, he's just, he's just funny. He's really, really funny. He's got some of the best lines in the movie and he's really not even in it that much. Um, but I mean, he's, he's great in it. Um, even as somebody who's, I mean, I'm not the, the biggest, I'm, I'm not the biggest fan. I'm the, I'm the biggest anti-fan of Paul Rudd and I thought he did great. But Paul Rudd's the same guy in every movie. He's just Paul Rudd. So I find it strange. You're like, I don't like Paul Rudd this week. But basically, he's just Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd doesn't play characters. Paul Rudd plays Paul Rudd. I don't like he's it. Just, I don't like you, Paul just, Rudd. He's just like, he's like charming and lovable and funny. That's his whole shtick. But he's very good in the movie. Um, yes. 
I, I just, I, I, if at this point, if you've listened to us at this point, I'm hoping you've seen the movie. Uh, it is, it, it is a, a triumph of big budget cinema. It kind of shows for me in the same way that uh, for you personally, the way uh, Avengers uh, Endgame part two kind of did is that, and for different reasons, right? That had 10 years of, of history behind it. But this is showing that like, hey, you can make a spectacle film that has a lot of heart, that has a lot of humor, that respects source material, um, and still get your end credit scene, but makes it feel like we're going to get like a... F- the end, that's the one. OK, if there's one small knock on the movie, there's two end credit scenes. The first one is just funny. They brought back Sigourney Weaver for like five minutes to muck with Bill Murray. They do it. They do it great, great because in the credits, it goes like and Sigourney Weaver. And, and, she, shows and up. she shows up like immediately. And I'm like, yeah, that's funny. Uh, but yeah, I like that scene. I thought it was good. Cute. Super perfect end credit sequence. Super cute. They built up Winston as making a bunch of money since he left the Ghostbusters. And then the, the final end credit sequence is was very unclear what they're going for here. My take was that this was basically Winston saying, I'm going to revive the Ghostbusters. However, you've established in this movie that there hasn't been a major haunting in 26 years since the Ghostbusters took out. Uh, this actually interesting question for you. Does Ghostbusters 2 exist in this universe? Ghostbusters 1 definitely does. But the Ghostbusters 2 happen? They never reference anything from Ghostbusters 2. Um, that's a great that's a great question. Uh, you're right. I don't know if I'd have to go back and watch it with like the closest eye of all time to see if they make any references at all uh, to Ghostbusters 2. Um, uh, yeah, a lot of the references are all tied into the first movie. All of like the archival footage that they show uh, in it, like you know, the, from the news clippings and stuff like that, and then the new and the sh- the TV, like from the '80s, like it's all from the first Ghostbusters. Um, they don't talk about Vigo. They uh, they might talk about yes, yes they yes they do. They talk about um, uh, when Egon is uh, and he talks about the about the slime. Uh, I think. They Got talk it. about okay. the slime, and when he talks about the slime, he's talking about the pink slime from Ghostbusters 2. It's bit, like you wouldn't know it unless you saw that one, and Ghostbusters 2 is my favorite. Um, so it's the only reference they make to it. Um, Got and, it. But that, but that's it. I think it does. Um, I mean, it's, inclu- okay. it's included in the collection, so I think it's in... Uh, <laughs> it's I, in canon? Yeah, I think oh, so, oh. yeah. Okay, so let's say, like, basically, like, they set up in this movie that since the events of the early 80s in Ghostbusters, there hasn't been any hauntings. Now, this thing just happened, but you killed it. You defeated the monster. You defeated Gozer. And, like, truly defeated Gozer. Like, like Gozer, Gozer gone. Why are you starting a Ghostbusters franchise there, Winston? Like... I don't understand. Well, maybe he's not because, like, he, he basically he's got the Ecto. He finds the Ecto one. He's like reunited with it, and he's like, it is in shambles. And he's like, somebody has like bought up the. Um, they mention how someone has bought up all that property where the firehouse is, and it's just wrecked. And you know, um, probably after seeing Egon's ghost, he's like, you know what? I want to. Fi- I want to fix this. So maybe he's not even necessarily opening the Ghostbusters. Maybe he's just like preserving that piece of history. Although, you know, in Ghostbusters two, you know, like the ghosts and all the paranormal activity feeds off of the negative vibes. So in a way, it's kind of like Freddy. You believe in it, and like it exists. If people are horrible enough to each other, the ghosts will, like, you know, rise from the grave based on all, like, the hate. I don't know if you looked around in 2022, Mr. Rob, but it is not a pleasant time. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, like my boy, like, my boy and my girl saved the world. You're not even going to let them keep their sweet ride? Like, that's a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, a little bit chasty, Winston. Um, I don't, he doesn't even have a license. He can't drive. <laughs> I suppose that's right. Uh, <laughs> But uh, yeah, it's like that part is a little bit like eh, for me. And, and part of me is like, I know it's big budget. It made money. They're going to make more. But part of me wishes they wouldn't because I feel like this is the perfect period on the end of Ghostbusters. If they never made another Ghostbusters film, I feel like this is the perfect bookend 
it completes the story in my mind. I mean, I guess, you know, look, who am I to say? I I guess I probably would have said the same. I mean, after, you know, the Ghostbusters movie that we don't speak of, uh, that basically might as well not have existed. This is a wonderful end, end to that story. But uh, yeah, man, like, there's nothing more I can say. It was just, I was super happy with it. I had such a good time with it. It made me really happy. Yeah, man. It was a it was a great it was a great time. It was a great movie by like all accounts. It lived up to like the high, very high bar that I set for it. It had a ton of surprises. I feel like all the things that I might have been nervous about going into that movie were like strengths of the film itself. Um when the terror dogs show up, it's practical effects for the first time and it and the first time I'm seeing it, I'm like I'm like they made a they made a monster. I was like shocked by it. I'm sure when it's like running around and stuff that it's CGI. Um, but uh, when it's first like just peering around the corners of the store and you see it with Paul Rudd, I'm like, what? I didn't really care for the small marshmallow man. <laughs> oh, why? They were fun. <laughs> I wasn't that really was I wasn't really into that as much. They do start lighting each other on fire, and I'm like, this is getting dark. <laughs> that was um, like oh, when they were making them into s'mores, s'mores and things like I that. Just, yeah. That just tickled me. Um, but yeah, man, it's a it's a spectacular film. It's great, man. It's great. Uh, and our friend uh, Tom Coombs, Thomas Coombs, actually has a review for it on his YouTube as well, which I'll link to in the show notes so you can check out and see what, what he said. But he has a lot to say uh, when it comes to the topic of monster mania. So I think for right now, we're going to go ahead and sign off on this portion of the show, in which case we will see you or listen to you, or you can listen to us in just a few <laughs> more weeks. I feel connected to you guys. It's the, it's the spirit of Ghostbusters speaking to me. It's got me all emotional. Uh, but you can you can hear us in uh, just a few more weeks, and hopefully we'll have a whole bunch of Monster Mania updates. Uh, but until then, uh, Rob, uh, I will see you in just a few short weeks. And we'll talk more Monster Mania. But in the meantime, enjoy the sweet words and stories of Thomas Coombs. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us on another episode of It Came From Cherry Hill. And this time, Rob and myself are blessed with the presence of Thomas Coombs of Monster Mania. Thomas, how are you this evening? I'm fantastic. I uh, want to thank you guys for having me on. Also, uh, I just want to let you know why I say it does not reflect the view of that of Monster Mania. Uh, but of course, sir, don't worry. We're only going to ask you all the, the wonderful positive questions. As I said before the show started, nothing but good vibes here on it came from Cherry Hill. Now, apparently, like I've known you, we were talking over Facebook Messenger, the epitome of technology, and apparently I've known you for almost two decades, but will you enlighten the people as to like what you do at Monster Mania and uh, kind of how you how you got there? Um, do you want me to start from the beginning of how I started going to Monster Mania? Tell me the tale. Take me on the adventure. 19 years ago to 2003. So I was a junior at a uh, Gloucester County College, and my friend Mike put up a club where we watched horror movies, a fright club. So every Wednesday we would like you know get together, we'd watch movies. We'd start at ten and noon, and all the way. Sometimes we would go till seven just to uh, watch movies. And around mid two thousand three, I want to say September, June, July, my friend Chris he actually does some of the Q and As. Um, when Dave doesn't do them, he's he's a great guy. He's one of the nicest people I've ever met, and he informed us that there was a convention coming to Cherry Hill. Uh, and I'm like, oh, that's some. Uh, where is it? They're like, oh, it's on Route Seven at the Clarion. Now, for those of you who are relatively newer to Monster Mania, the Clarion on Route 70 and 295 was where the first Monster Mania was. Small hotel. Uh, I get there on a Friday, like two hours before doors open. I have no idea what to expect. This is my first convention ever. So I get there, pay my ticket, and I wait in. You know, I see the dealer's room, and I meet Betsy Palmer was the first I'd ever met. And she was super nice. And, you know, the next day, Saturday, is when Kane Hodder gets there. So he was, like, the big draw for everyone. So he's been with Monster Mania since the beginning. I actually dressed up. That was the only Monster Mania I've ever really dressed up as. And I wore a blue button-up T-shirt and brown pants and boots. I went as Ash. But I was like Ash from the first half of Evil Dead to where he had both of his hands. And I actually won uh, second sexiest co- uh, costume uh, only because 
uh, there weren't a lot of people that dressed up. And one day I met a girl named Stacy there, and she's actually one of the agents, an agent now. And I, she was my first real Monster Mania friend, and I still know see her at the shows. Her and um, her partner, they rep a lot of the Friday the 13th people at the shows, and they're nice people. Like, I've met people for the boards and things like that. They've all been nice people. Like, I've met, I'm going to give some shout-outs if that's okay. Yeah, by all means. My friends like Chuck, Melissa, Chad. Chad and I actually do a uh, podcast for TGIF with our other friend Derek. Derek, who I've met the show also, and other Derek and Sean and a bunch of other people. All these people have been great people. I've met friends I've had for 20 years from meeting at this show, and, you know, they're all nice people. It's always a great time. And, oh, of course, in 2012, I met my current wife at Monster Mania. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. It was a great time. Mm-hmm. So you started out as an attendee. What made you decide to kind of give up the attendee life and and be promoted, upgraded to staff and start actually working the con as opposed to like going and, you know, just experiencing it passively what made you decide like oh i'm gonna do this man i'm gonna work because anyone who's ever been to monster media like they've seen you <laughs> like right because you're you're all over the place at those cons oh yeah i'm in 2011 now i was friends with a lot of the staff members but i never because back then it was you know it was a tight staff of like lifers pretty much and the only way to really get on staff was, was to know anyone on staff so around 2011 after the March show, Tim, who was the head of staff, said, hey, we have a Maryland show coming up. And he's like, hey, do you want to, you know, volunteer there? Because the Maryland show, people for the New Jersey shows are based in New Jersey and, Pens- and like, you know, eastern Pennsylvania. So a lot of them aren't willing to make the drive to Maryland for the show. But it's more laid back, so they don't need as many people. So I remember that's the perfect show to get, like, cut your teeth on. That was my first show working. And have you guys been, to- you guys have been to the Maryland Hotel, right? Yeah, I've been yeah, there. one time. Yeah, we went once. Um, And you're, you definitely described it okay. cor- correct. It is definitely more laid back, which which is cool. But, like, I just, we both just, like, love that insane cherry hill vibe like i'm not <laughs> i went there and i was like this is a different gear than oh, yeah. i was expecting yeah cherry hill and um maryland are two totally different shows like maryland's laid back and cherry hill's like all hands on deck i don't know if i love the maryland show more but i love the hotel more if that makes sense yeah that hotel is definitely like a maze i remember it had um, a bunch of crazy hallways but cherry hill's like you know my first monster mania so like that building is like mecca for me uh-huh. like drive past that place and i just like you know i get all tingly like that that building is too, uh, much too important, much more important than it should be for me. Me and my um, wife, actually, when we drive down uh, from here to down there, the the GPS usually takes us from the Ben Franklin Bridge to Route 70, and it always goes by the hotel. So our first bathroom stop is usually at the Allentown uh, Rest area, but then around the time we get to uh, around the Cherry Hill, it's time for our second rest stop. So guess where we take it every time we come down? <laughs> So it's it, it's always weird seeing it when there's like nowhere because I expect the room barms to be full, things like that. Also, sorry, I got off topic from my uh, uh, volunteering story. I sent away a lot. Maryland was my Maryland June 2011 was my first show, and you know I pretty much all I did was check wristbands at the door. That's how you get get your your start on staff is checking wristbands. You know, arms up, go, arms up, go, arms up, go, and you know from there on I went like you know. I was, like, hooked from then. And, like, you know, every other show got the email, you want to do it? I said, yeah. And in August of 2013? No, because uh, um, my shift would usually start at 4 and then go to 1 for the Cherry Hill show. Um, I get a text from Jen, who's now head of celebrity operations, saying, hey, you need an extra body at tables. Do you want to work I said, sure. That was the first celebrity that I had worked with for the shows. And as the years went by, I like pretty much stayed on tables and worked like, you know, I was like Justin Long, uh, C. Thomas Howe, Stephen Jeffries. This August, this past August, I worked with uh, Brad Dourif at his table. He was a great guy, class act all the way. Then October, I worked, I worked with uh, Ryan and Andre from Monster Squad, and those guys are awesome. Most of them are always super nicest people, and you know I always love working with them, and they're always super cool to me. So, so when you're working the tables, like what is like what does that kind of look like? I get there a half hour before the celebrity does. I just stay there, and like you know, if the agent comes pushes out things like that, I make sure nobody rushes the table, things like that. 
Um, when the celebrity comes, I introduce myself. I say, uh, hi, I'm Tom. I'm with the convention. I'll be helping you out today. Are there any questions you have? If there's anything you need, please just let me know. I'll try my best to get it. And I also ask if there's anything that they don't want signed, things like that. Because like some stars I know like have some like previous projects that they aren't proud of, things like that. And, you know, we get everything to start set up. And, you know, if there are people, we start rolling. And I say, you know, you want to take a break? Let me know. I can cut cut the line or have someone cut the line if there is too long of a line, things like that. I just make sure that they're comfortable. So I'm very excited because, one, Mom, we're going, we're only like, I don't know, five weeks away from Monster Mania at Sherry Hill, uh, which is uh, great. You know, we went to mm-hmm. Oaks, but I am definitely excited for kind of like the homecoming, uh, be, be that as it may. Uh, but this is the first time that I am a, a VIP ticket holder. Um, I had to pull mm. the trigger on uh, on Dexter so or um, mm. um, Michael C. Hall. But um, I need to know... Uh, how? Because I'm confused. Because I've never, I've never experienced it. How does the line skip work? I know it kind of works. Okay. I know it happens kind of randomly. But like, like you, I feel like you got to know. You work the VIP table. You got to be ready. Like you, you got this. <laughs> Did you schedule this interview so you could get your line skip question listen, answered for your VIP ticket? I, I love you so. I much. see it. Listen, I'm on the Facebook. I see people ask I've it. Been, like I've been going a long time. I still don't know how it works. I figure if I don't know how it works, plenty of people got to not know how it works. Now, and I'm sure it's subject to change. I'm assuming this is how it works. You have your line pass and that you go up to the VIP table. You tell them who you want it for. And if it's someone like, because I know in Maryland with Robert England, they would wait until there was a group of people. Then they would take them up or something like that. And they there's usually a staff member at the door and they'll guide you in, things like that. But you've just redeem it at the VIP table and they ask who you want it for. I mean, that's simple. That's, <laughs> that's simple enough. Too simple, really. Simple what enough. were you expecting? Did you expect, okay, you have to shake the man's hand three times and there'll be a star on a brick above the door. You have to find the star. Like, what did you, what did you expect? Well, like, I don't know Jones because I've, Doom, I've, only been, I've only experienced it from being in the line and then it, what seems like somewhat randomly a group of VIP ticket holders will come over and then they, and then they use their pass. So I'm like, when does it happen? Like, that does it happen when there's a big enough group? Now I know. Hey, yo, what's this? What's this guy doing? <laughs> That's what uh, the line goers say when they see someone getting in line. But usually some very uh, polite um, gentleman like yourself comes over and says, like, it's the VIP. And, like, you know, it's always explained. Uh, so, and I feel like anybody who's standing in a long line, I feel like at this point probably knows what to uh, expect for sure. But, uh, yeah, I'm definitely yeah. anxious to... To, to use that to use that line skip because I have a feeling that it is going to be a very busy con this year. Yeah, and I think you were saying like you know it's the homecoming, right? Like we've all been like you know again, Oaks was amazing uh, and it was wonderful. The outdoor show was amazing. But like now, like we're back. It's the biggest con. I mean, it's it's. Uh, I mean, that's our perception of it, right, Tom? Like like Cherry Hill is is the yeah. is the big one. Like that's the one where like you probably get the most people, the most activity, or at least I can't tell mm-hmm. if it is that way or if it feels that way because the way the hotel is right. Like Oaks may have had more people because it's a convention center; it doesn't feel the same. Uh, but yeah. yeah, I Cherry Hill's like the big one, right? Yes. Um, usually depending, unless guests change or anything like that, August is usually the bigger show because it's summertime. You know, people are on vacation, people are traveling. Unless uh, something tells me March is unless. Without knowing who to get for August, which will probably be the bigger show this year because of the Dexter cast. Yeah, it's crazy. I just kept noticing more and more guests for Dexter getting announced like almost like every every week. I'm like, I don't know how this gets any better. I'm like, I'm not gonna have any money by the time this show by the time this show comes. But I think I'm gonna try to limit myself uh to Dexter himself. Well we'll see how that we'll see how that goes. It, yeah, it's not gonna happen. I know you. I know Jennifer Carpenter and James Remar have done the show before. Yes, but like these are the the for pretty much everyone else. Yeah, when I started the first show ever for Michael C. Hall. Yeah, I saw him. I, I when I first saw Jennifer Carpenter get announced, and a few. I think there might have been a couple other Dexter announcements before Michael C. Hall, and I'm like, they, I'm like, I think I know they haven't had him before, and I'm pretty sure he hasn't done anything before him. But I'm like, they keep teasing it a little bit i'm like they gotta get him right and then when the when it was finally announced i was like that's crazy because i know he's been 
like a very requested guest for a long time. So it's good. It's it's good because one, of course, I'm excited. But you know, now in these crazy times, like it's awesome to see so many people commenting on the Facebook for Monster Mania and just kind of showcasing their excitement and feel like it, it's like a beam of sunshine in an otherwise somewhat dark time. You know. <laughs> So you've been to a lot of Monster Manias now. Um, like, I don't even know, and maybe you can make an estimate of how many. Do you have any, like, favorite shows that, like, stick out to you as being like, yes, this was a great one? May 2005, Cherry Hill, and September 2016, Maryland, are the only two Monster Manias that I've ever missed. That's now, intense. 2004 was when I met Robert for the first time. Robert usually remembers me, too. He's remembered me since I was a guest, so he's always a good guy. He always talks to you. August 2011 was when The Walking Dead was kind of getting pretty big. Now, here's what used to happen. Me and a bunch of my friends used to be able to get one of the suite, room suite, the suites, after you get off the elevator. Uh, you used to like just be able to like uh, rent those for the weekend. So me and a bunch of friends would usually rent them because there'd be two rooms on both sides, Beds could fit two people each, so that's, you know, eight people on the sides, plus a couch to fit one person, plus a pull-out sleeper couch to fit two people. So we would chip in, like, you know, 75 for the weekend, and, you know, stay there. And Saturday night, we would always have insane room parties. Uh, August 2011, I got on the elevator, and uh, Norman Reedus is on, and he remembers me because he first did Monster Mania August 2010 which was about two months before The Walking Dead premiered. And so, like, I got really got a chance to meet him and talk to him. I saw him on the elevator. I'm like, hey, man. And he remembered me because he, he, he said, Tom. I'm like, oh, you remember me? <laughs> and I uh, I was like, how's it going? He's like, I'm, I'm good, man. I uh, had to go to, like, uh, uh, McFarland so they could scan my face for my figure. I'm like, oh, that's awesome. Uh, average people problems, right? And he was like, anyway, I'll see you later. And I'm like, okay, not really thinking about it. So I get off. We get back to the suite. I get back to the suite and you know, we were, we had a crock pot filled with like roast beef for sandwiches. Cause we would cook, make our own food over the weekend. He shows up at two in the morning at our suite and just starts eating sandwiches. And we were like, Oh man, how's it going? He's like, yeah, I'm good. How, how are you guys doing? Like we're fans to read us. <laughs> so he showed up um, then. And is this where I tell my craziest story? Go for it. Go for it. Yes, for it. please. Okay. I want to say this was March 2010 or March 2011. October a few times, they would have a big costume party with a costume contest in the ballroom. Now, I went in October 2009. I dressed up like Indiana Jones. It's where I met my very good friend Chad, by the way, um, who we do the podcast. I was also a groomsman at his wedding, so we've been, you know, bros for a while. And my friend Chris was also zombie Billy Mays. And that was actually <laughs> I remember three, that. three or four months after he died. So anyone who attended this would also get a pass to the VIP party. Now this was before we had access. The convention had access to the ballroom for the uh, for the convention because it used to just to the uh, pavilion side ballroom. It used to be in if you go in the hotel, the room to your left is where the VIP party would be. Now, before then, the VIP party would be held on Thursday night for those who came down early. So it wasn't, it was held before the convention. So stars would show up and not worry about people who were there at the convention waiting outside for them. Ice Cream Social is pretty much what's going on. And the one star that everyone was waiting to meet was Gary Busey. Now, everyone's going in there. All of a sudden, he comes in. He bolts right by the there's a two sets of doors at the end that was like a storage room slash fire exit. He goes in that room. Five seconds later, comes out, looks around, goes into another set of doors that leads to another storage room. Meanwhile, his promoter is following him the whole time. And uh, he's like, over, over here, sir. And he's like, ah, ah, okay. So he goes over, gets a bowl with his ice cream. He's scooping it. And he is having a fight with this ice cream scoop, like, like usual Gary Busey face. Gets his ice cream, has a second bowl, an empty bowl for his toppings. So he goes over to the toppings bar. You know, you got your cherries, your whipped cream, your bananas. Now they have a spoon for the bananas. Old Gary doesn't like to use spoons. <laughs> Hands. <laughs> bananas in the bowl. Picks them up. Plop. Picks them up. Plop, 
I'm standing next to my friend Sean from VHSPS. And he's like, man, Gary looks Spanish. I'm like, no, his name. Just stay quiet. Because meanwhile, <laughs> the room is all quiet. Everything came to a dead stop. It was, anyway, he takes his stuff, looks around, and he's like, Arr! and he goes. We all act like it just never happened, even though some kind of weird thing awakened in all of us that night when we saw Gary Busey touch bananas with his bare hands that everyone else was supposed to have. Oh my God. That is, that's yeah. the most Gary Busey story ever. That's exactly how I would expect yeah. Gary's Busey to behave. That's 100% perfect. That's as apropos. pro. Um, that's awesome. That's a great story. He was wearing a sweatshirt and pajama pants, by the way. <laughs> I feel like that. I feel like that completes the ensemble. Although, I mean, to be fair, if I'm going like you know, double hands into raw bananas, I feel like sweatpants and pajama shirt is probably the way to go. Or sweatshirt That's and pajama pants. Yeah. 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 Definitely. <laughs> now, I introduced you as Tom, and you said you can call me Tom Thomas, but you also have another moniker uh, called the Pop Daddy. So, before we sign off here, will yeah. you tell everyone about? Pop Daddy. Who is Pop Daddy? What does he do? I actually will not be at the show next month because I am currently expecting a child that has to be born two weeks after the convention. So I started looking for like videos and stuff, and I uh, thought about it. And there aren't enough things like suppose you're a mom and dad, and you have the night off, and you like you're like, oh, you have a babysitter. We can go smooth, or we can like you know watch a movie at home, things like that. The reviews of things I usually do that aren't food-related are I'll watch a movie and then be like, you know, if you only get, say, one night out every six months, you really want to waste your time on this movie or waste it on, like, you know, like certain movies. Or if you have kids, do you really want to waste your time watching this movie or that movie? Like, will it, will it appeal to kids? Will it appeal to you? You know, certain foods, certain drinks, well, are these good for kids? Is, is this too sugary? Things like that, because two of my, well, one of my recent reviews was I watched that new Ice Age movie. People, I took a bullet for you watching that movie because, <laughs> man, it is, kids will like it, but, man, adults will straight up not. You know, I'm always down for, like, sessions and things like that, so check it out. The Facebook um, page that I have for it is facebook.com slash thepopdaddy, and I just crossed 100 subs last night awesome. on YouTube, so... When I get the go-ahead, I'll be able to get my custom URL for YouTube, which hopefully will be youtube.com slash popdaddy.com. Uh, but I do have the Twitter at the pop daddy, And That's impressive. so, you know, check it out. Uh, thank you. Check it out. Check me out. My email is tompopdaddycooms at gmail.com. So, you know, shoot me a line, guys. Everyone out there in podcasting land. And, you know, thank you for uh, for tolerating me. Oh, no problem, man. Thank you for uh, spending a little bit of your your precious Sunday evening time uh, with us and with everybody out there in podcast land to tell us and regale us of your tales of Monster Mania. And for everybody listening here, when this episode comes out, we will likely have one more before the show in March. And Tom, although you will not be there in person, I assure you, you will be in all of our hearts. Thank you. <laughs> Yeah, congrats on the kid, man. Enjoy. It'll be fun. Thank you. Kind of. <laughs> it'll be a lot of fun. It'll be crazy, but it'll be a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. 